This is the I Am a Mainframer podcast, brought to you by the Linux Foundation's Open Mainframe Project. Episodes explore the careers of mainframe professionals and offer insights into the industry and technology. Now your host, Senior Analyst and Vice President of Sales and Business Development at Futurum Research, Stephen Dickens. Hello and welcome. My name is Stephen Dickens and you're joining us here live for the I'm a Mainframer podcast brought to you by the Linux Foundation. I've got the pleasure of having Pat Stannard from Kindrel. Hey Pat, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. It's great to be here. And we're live, so if there's some background noise, we're on a booth at a show, so it's great to be back in person. Hopefully no one comes up and starts asking questions while we're here. We can, can but hope, right. So let's get our listeners and our viewers orientated. Tell us a little bit about what you do for Kindrel, and then we'll use that as a jumping off point. Sure, you bet. Yeah, I'm the, uh, I'm the chief mainframe architect for Kindrel US, and uh, I'm responsible for strategy as well as uh, a number of other you know, projects that we do, but I also have the, the mainframe uh, architect team as well. So there's lots in that that we're going to come back to, but the show's called I'm a Mainframer. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us how you got started on the platform. Obviously, to get that type of senior role, you've done a bunch of things before. We were chatting a little bit before the show. Tell us a little bit about your journey through the mainframe platform. Sure. It, it's funny, Steve, because I started out really as a, um, you know, uh, working for Michigan Bell Telephone at the time, which became uh, Ameritech, which became Ameritech Applied Technologies, and, and then eventually AT&T. But at that time, uh, I got hired into Michigan Bell Telephone actually as a man that could type of all things, and so I was putting... <laughs> That's a job description you don't see very often. Exactly, a man that could type, because uh, they were trying to hire more men to put them into a, a unit to do a data input. Okay. And so I did that. Um, Are uh, we talking punch cards back in yes, the day? Yes, yes, Sorry yes. to age no, you there. No, no, exactly. 80-column Herman Hollerinth punch cards. We were doing a lot of that as well, as well too. But the funny thing about it was I had one month to prove myself, and you had to type 45 words a minute, otherwise they were firing people. So at the last, uh, the last day, they tested me, and I came in at, uh, the, the, the manager called me up front to let me know, I, you know my test, I'd passed my test, and she said, yes, Pat, you've passed your test 45 words a minute, and she winked at me. And so I really don't know if that was really true. But they, <laughs> Whether it was a true 45 or just close. That's right, probably close enough, they needed, they needed me there, and I was a man that could type. And so from there, anyway, I ended up getting into uh, uh, the data center operations area, which at the time was Unisys mainframes. Okay. So I really became... Don't a, hear much of those. No, you really don't. I, I actually ran uh, four large-scale Unisys uh, A15 mainframes, and prior to that was the Burroughs B7900 mainframes. So tell me about how you go from there. So that sounds like pretty hands-on, pretty in the data center. What was next? Uh, the next part of this was I actually uh, became a support person for the Unisys mainframes at the time. And uh, so I was actually um, uh, doing support. So as, when the systems would go down, they would call us in the middle of the night, and we'd have to try to figure out how to bring them back up. And shortly thereafter, I kind of started co coding in COBOL on the mainframes because I could get all my batch work done in the middle of the night on third shift, and I would use the world's largest PC at the time, basically, <laughs> to write COBOL and, uh, as I was taking COBOL classes at the time. Fantastic. So there, further on down the line, I ended up moving over to Amdahl and IBM uh, mainframes at the time. So how did you, so paint me that picture, how did you ultimately end up in IBM? Because I know we've got some, I looked on LinkedIn, we worked both for IBM. So, so tell me a bit how you sort of end up 
making that tr transition into IBM? Yeah, um, basically they had a uh, operations position that had opened up on the uh, Amdahl and also the IBM side, and they needed an operator. And they knew I had experience with Unisys, which, you know, when you get right down to it, yeah, it, they're very different. Uh, the Unisys mainframe is much more English-oriented, and but they knew I could run mainframes. So they gave me that position, and I started running, uh, basically, the IBM systems at that point. So when did you join IBM? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I joined IBM... Uh, I've actually been with IBM for like 35 years, to be honest with you. So it, it's it's kind of a crazy question because I've I've been with the company 35 years, but I've never even applied for a job here. I've been uh, outsourced and, and purchased and that type of you've thing. You've come so, in and you've come out. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. maybe let's jump all the way to now. Tell me about what the day of a, in the life looks like for a chief architect for Kindrel in the mainframe space. Probably, I would argue, in the biggest market in the U.S. Yeah. What does that look like? What are you doing every day with clients? Exactly. Uh, Kindrel in itself is 90,000 people. and uh, I call you the world's largest startup. Yeah, exactly. We're the largest funded startup, I guess I would say. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're very busy with building the company from a, from a you know, step one kind of a thing. And so each day we're, we're actively uh, uh, working towards that. And uh, we're, in, we're in the right direction, we're doing all the right things, but actually what I do, you know, from, a, from an architect point of view, I'm kind of a player coach. I'm an architect, I'm also a, a manager of the architects uh, for, for the Kendrill US. So we do a lot of work with customers. We speak to customers only in, pretty much on a day-to-day -day basis and uh, we're trying to find out what they need from the, from the topics of things like mainframe uh, optimization, we like to say. We don't like to say modernization because the, the mainframe is already, already modern. And then, so we, our whole mantra is basically, from an architectural point of view, is, is the right platform for the right, for the right type of work. And so each of our architects uh, try to work in that direction. So there's a lot in what you say there, the optimization and then architecting it. I've known Kindrel and worked in what was previously the GTS business. That whole domain as a space has changed massively just over the last three years what customers are looking for from their mainframe, what it's supporting in their business. What are you seeing as some of those trends? What are some of the things you're hearing that you, you maybe weren't hearing even as short a period of time ago as say three years ago? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And really what I'm, what I'm seeing is that there's really kind of a drive from, uh, hey, I want to keep all my work on the mainframe mm -hmm. to I want to do some kind of a hybrid arrangement using a hyperscalers, you know, that they're out there like AWS, Google, or Zure. So some of my work, some of my data, some of my applications could arrive in those environments. And then the third thing is I want to get totally off the mainframe. So, but I think really what we're seeing right now from a, from a trend point of view is a trend towards hybrid mainframe computing. I think I, I'm hearing the same thing. I think hybrid is where everybody's at. I think there's some noise and hype around get off, but I think for me it's more what I'm seeing is that hybrid story. It's both and, not either or. Are you seeing the same thing? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I'm seeing a lot of that actually. And uh, the customers that are saying, hey, we want to get off the mainframe, uh, you can go talk to them three, four, five years later and they're still in the mainframe in some capacity. Yeah, so it's that more, and, and you touched on it when you mentioned it there, the strategy from Kindred Line. I've heard this from other of your peers, that fit for purpose, what's the best workload for the best platform without some of that sort of bias. So it's not, oh, this is the new shiny object, we should all gravitate to that. It's really that case of what is the best platform for this workload and looking at it objectively. How are you doing that? How are you sort of having some of those conversations 
as, as you're an architect team. How are you architecting some of that? Yeah, um, what we've done is we've really developed a strategy to have those conversations. And uh, we've- A framework, basically? Yeah, exactly. There's basically 10, we, we, we figure there's 10 mainframe capabilities, and there's probably more, but 10 very important mainframe capabilities. And they're things that all mainframe customers would have questions about, or issues with, or want to get better at. So they're things like performance, for instance. They're things like the enterprise environment, cybersecurity, uh, storage, uh, application modernization, uh, and there's others. But what, so what we like to do is go in and talk to our customers about these kinds of things from a strategy point of view, and then use that to drive our work with the customers. And it's the, through the lens of those 10 that you kind of come to, this should sit here, this should be refactored, this should be replatformed, this should be updated and modernized and take forward. Is that is that the right way? Exactly, that's exactly right. And so some customers may only want one of those 10 capabilities implemented. Others may want all of them. It, it just depends on really where, we, where the customer currently sits and where they want to go with our strategy. I think that f type of thoughtful approach rather than oh, let's get into the politics and let's move here. I think that's really balanced. So I'm, I'm excited to hear, and I, I'm picking that up from Kindrel that you're starting to be a bit more nuanced about how you think about it, which is unusual, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a good approach, we feel, because it really gives the customer uh, the position to be in the driver's seat. We, we, we let the customer know exactly the, the types of things that we're, we'd like to do with them and the capabilities that we have. And then what we try to do is, is let them know what's there and, and what they can march forward with to make their environment better, more cost-effective, that type of thing. So we've got people starting to walk into the show. Might as well make that my next question. What are you starting to, you've been here for a, what is it, a day and a half now at Share in Columbus. What are you seeing? What are some of those interactions? Because I think, this is, I, I did the event in Dallas, but I think this is the first one we're back as a community. What, so what has been some of those conversations? Yeah, it's been interesting, because to be honest with you, this is the first time I've been back to share in about five years. Oh, okay. And so I used to come to share every year, I would present every year, and now I'm back. So now I'm running into all kinds of people that I would see. You know, and what I find out is that the, the mainframe environment is really pretty small. Yeah, and it's a I have small a lot of community, right? I'm getting bear hugged constantly by people walking <laughs> up, which is which is a beautiful thing. I really yeah, like that. It's so. good to be back in person. But there's not a lot of a lot of new technologies. You know, there's a lot of just disruptive technologies that are out there that we're we're working with every day uh, to try to see how that fits in our mainframe strategy because it's all about you know what the customer really wants and the direction they want to go. I think so. I've just finished writing a report that I published just before we came out to to share. And the interesting thing for me is just the sheer volume of announcements. And like the mainframe space is normally sort of bubbling along, people are announcing things. Obviously, we, have, we just had said 16. But this summer, just every vendor's got some new announcements, some new product. I, I feel a vibrancy in the space I haven't seen before. Yeah, for sure. There, there are a lot of disruptive technologies. If you look at things like uh, you know, quantum computing and how that's going to affect the mainframe processing in the future. We've got DASD transforming with the guys at Model 9. I know you work with them. That's right. You know, some right. of that type of technology. And that, that's like a startup in the mainframe space. Exactly. What are they, three or four years old? Yeah, they're, they're small. They're, large, they're like 50 people, but the, but the technology is solid. And that's something that, uh, that we're active with is, is working with them. Other technologies like Adaptogen, for instance, has a lot of very good things yeah. they're bringing to the yeah, table as well too. I was chatting to them only yesterday. I, I think that I see a level of vibrancy in this space that I haven't seen. I've been with the mainframe since the mid 90s. I think there's just so much technology and I think it's that kind of modernization. We're seeing the, the best of kind of what the platform's known for, but we're also seeing 
kind of new development coming through. Yeah, that's exactly right. If you look at the uh, what, what the Z16 brings to the table, and even prior to that, the Z15 brings to the table, there's a lot of tremendous technology that is there. You look at things like the system recovery boost option, for instance, which allows the zip engines which are really in position to process DB2 type transactions, that processing capability is now able to be shifted so that it can be used on the, you know, bringing the systems up and taking the systems down. Yeah. Things like that, again, are exciting. They're, they're a neat part of the platform. There's all kinds of that with the new systems. So one of the questions I always ask, and it's been fantastic to kind of get your story arc, you have the opportunity to go back to the younger Pat, age 22, mm -hmm. 21, coming out of college. Right through the experience you've had those sort of over 30 years on the platform, what would you be saying to your younger self? Well, I, it's funny, I think what I would, number one, that was back when I had hair, you know, <laughs> long hair, and uh, you know, that was from the time of the Herman Hollerant punch card, as I said, up to now, and you look at things like the quantum technologies, the you know, quantum computing specifically, uh, it's come a long way. So I, I would say to my younger self back then, um, Study the mainframe, study COBOL, uh, study these kinds of things that are going to give you a, a career in the future because the mainframe is going to be around a long time. It's not going anywhere. And if I had known that when I was younger, I probably would have plotted my career maybe a little differently. I think that's good advice. I ask this question, I've been doing this now for about four years, this podcast. Everybody is go learn, be curious, invest. One of the other questions I like to ask as, as we start to wrap here We've talked a little bit about your sort of history. We've talked a little bit about things like quantum. Where do you see the platform three, five, ten years out from now? Oh yeah, that the platform continues to shrink in size, uh, be more efficient from you know from a, a you know electricity cooling point of view, uh, faster and and smaller. But I think what we're going to see in, in the very near future is the continued use of quantum computing, as mm -hmm. I mentioned before, to, uh, to really use it as a subsidiary way to process uh, specific transaction sets. If you look at like some of the newest software that's coming out, I know from IBM, for instance, they're now making that quantum safe. They have to make that quantum safe because in the future, the possibility would exist that data downloaded now could be used with a quantum computer to, to crack current you know, security algorithms. So you're going to see a lot more quantum, I think, in the future than you are now. Yeah, I think that's an exciting space. I think we're starting to see early previews of it with Z16. I think that's going to explode. So Pat, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My name's Stephen Dickens. You've been listening to the I'm a Mainframer podcast. Please click and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to I Am a Mainframer. Liked what you heard? Subscribe to get every episode or watch us online at openmainframeproject.org. Until next time, this is the I Am A Mainframer podcast. Insights for today's mainframe professionals.